great to have Brother Tuminella with us. I thoroughly enjoy the ministry of the Word of God when he is here. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in our midst. And I believe that it's the beginning, not the end. And uh, we just, the, the great thing about God that I never cease to be amazed at because of who he is, he never has to repeat. He never has to duplicate himself. We say, God, do it again. Well, you know what? He's great enough. He doesn't have to do it again. He can do something brand new. Amen. And that's what God continues to do in our midst. He just comes in new ways and ministers. And we have what a powerful, powerful service this morning. And I believe that God is going to do again tonight, minister in this place. Would you just open your hearts? Brother Tumanella comes and let's open our hearts and worship the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Isn't God good tonight? Thank God for this beautiful singing, this beautiful worship. God is so good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you sure do look good tonight. You may have to stretch it just a little bit on some. But God knows. It's a great day to be serving the Lord. It's a great time to be in this church. This is a great place. Great feeling, great anointing. Aren't you happy to have a church where you can still feel the moving and the flowing of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Praise God. There are some that say we need to get away from all this and move into more of a life principles approach and uh, come in for about 45 minutes and have a little lesson and go home. And uh, then you've been to church. That's not what I call church. Pray, I, this is what I call having church tonight. Praise God. This morning and last Sunday, that's what I call having church. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Hughes, for your wonderful hospitality. This, this church is just so hospitable, and no one's treated any better uh, than when they come to preach here. I've never been treated any nicer, any kinder. Uh, thank you so much for the privilege of coming and being in this great church and sharing this time with you. If you have your Bibles, quickly turn to Luke, the 17th chapter. Let me read a few verses based on every song that was sung tonight. I know that I've got the right, I've got the right theme, and it's, it's a confirmation from the Lord. This is the 11th verse of chapter 17. You know... My wife is not here to tell me everything to do, so sometimes I forget things. And she reminds me that I'm not worth very much without her. And I remind her that it's just a whole lot easier being a woman than it is a man in this society. You laughing? You think it's funny? I can prove it to you. Any society that says that a diamond is a girl's best friend and a dog's a man's best friend, Where's the equality? There's no equality there, is there? I told her the story of a, of a ladies' conference recently where 10,000 people were gathered, and there was a real kind of anti-man feeling in that building. And the speaker was speaking, and uh, it's dangerous when 10,000 women get together. It's dangerous for men. And uh, 
the speaker went to the platform and very dramatically said in her opening remarks, where would man be without woman? And then she said it more forcefully. Somebody in this building tell me where would man be without woman? I'm going to ask you one more time. Somebody have the courage in this building to tell me where man would be without woman. Only one man was there, and he was a custodian. And he took all he could take, and he cupped his hands, and he screamed from the back, I believe we'd still be in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Boy, you can be brave when your wife's not around. Amen. Praise God. And Brother Hughes having to be real guarded by the way he laughs. I can tell that guarded laugh. Amen. Just great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God except the stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Powerful story. Great question is asked by Jesus. Sometimes he not only gives great answers, but he asks great questions. And he asked a question. He said, Where are the nine? I healed, I healed ten, only one has come back to give me proper due and honor. So that, that might be a good, a good question to ask tonight to this generation. Where's the 90%? Where, where are they? And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Pastor, ask the Lord just to put a stamp of approval on his word. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Leprosy was a horrible disease, still is. In biblical times especially, it was such a horrible pronouncement for a person to be pronounced a leper. It had such serious, serious consequences involved. The Bible devotes three entire chapters under the law that give explicit detail on how a person that is deemed a leper is to be handled. You can read in Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. That's how important and how dread this disease was. I'm not a doctor, so I can't give you a medical explanation as to why leprosy happened, but it's a simple explanation. It's just a cell-by-cell decaying of the human body are rotting away for some reason. It begins in just the framework of one tiny human cell. And as it runs its course throughout the human body, many times taking 15, 20, 25 years 
to finally bring death to a person. It uh, was a horrible thing. The Bible says this, that a leper, if he was pronounced a leper by the priest, and the priest had a skilled eye to observe different places on people's skin, and he could tell when in the flesh there was a disease that he identified as leprosy. And if a priest identified you as a leper, it's a horrible thing that happened. You, the Bible says, you had to make your home outside the camp. You had to leave your family. You could never again be with your family. Now think about it. You could never again hold your children. You could never again hug or kiss your wife. You could never sleep another night in your own bed. You could never eat another meal at your table. You had to separate yourself from everything that was important cruel thing, but you could not touch another human being, and everything that you ever touched had to be either ceremonially cleansed or destroyed. Many times your house, every utensil you ever used to eat with, every bed you ever slept in, many times everything had to be destroyed. It was as if God, under the law, was saying, I want to erase any trace of evidence that this person ever existed. Cold. Cold. Hard. Could you imagine what it would be like to turn away because of, of a disease and never be able to hold your babies again? It would be a horrible thing. You had to wear a certain type of clothing and a covering over your upper lip so while you were traveling, if someone happened upon you, you had to identify yourself from afar off. It was a serious thing for a leper to touch somebody. I mean, it was, it was, it was a violation of, God, of God's law. For a leper to touch another normal human being. And lepers lived lonely lives, except sometimes they would find other lepers and they would colonize and they would travel in groups and they would talk about the good old days and they would talk about how much they missed home and how much they missed their families. And you see, when you understand this, why God used leprosy as a type of sin. Because everything that leprosy does to the flesh, sin does to our spirit. It separates us from everything that God wants us to have. That's the greatest sting of sin is it's the sting of separation from the will of God and from the perfection of God's will. It makes people become things they don't want to become. It's made some of you here tonight into something and someone you don't really want to be. You don't have any control over it. You can't control sin. No man is strong enough to control the course of sin in your own life. You have to have help. And the Bible tells about ten men who were lepers who had colonized, come together, traveling together, and they heard about Jesus. And they approached Jesus. And they, they did some things that are incredible. They cried out to him. They expressed faith in him. They praised him. They did everything they possibly could do to gain his favor. And of course, you know what happened. Jesus immediately spoke healing into their life. 
First of all, he put himself in jeopardy of being in violation of the law by even being in contact with them. But he spoke to them. And he said this, as they cried out, the Bible says, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Let me tell you something. There's a powerful principle there. He spoke healing into their life. But immediately, there was no evidence of healing. Healing was there. But he said, I want you to go and show yourself to the priest because Jesus knew before they could return to their families, they had to, re they had to be restored to the priest. And there was, according to the Bible, there were certain rules and regulations they had to abide by. So Lord said, the Lord said, go ahead and go to the priest and get all those things worked out and then you can go home. And the Bible says that in obedience as they walked, they were cleansed. They were walking by faith in what the Lord told them. And as they walk, you know what that means? As, as they walk, the members of their face begin to grow back. As they walk, their fingers begin to be restored. As they walk, their skin became that of a newborn baby. That's what happens when you walk in faith. That's what happens when you do what God tells you to do. As you go, you get better and better and better and better, and your life begins to be restored. You see, some people want it all to happen at an altar in a moment's time. But sometimes God says, go your way and do the will of God and be faithful to church and love your family. And as you go forth, he begins to restore your life in perfect order. Someone says, what do I need to do? I need to come to an altar and jump through some hoops tonight? Do I need to roll down? There's a lot of people that need to pray through, but there are some people who all they need to do is to walk in obedience to what God is saying. Start living right. Start coming to church. Start loving your family. Start loving God. Start praying. That's what God said. Go show yourself. Get the thing worked out. He didn't, they didn't turn cartwheels and jump up and down, but as they went, Every step they took in faith and obedience, they got better and better and better and better. And then, all of a sudden, one of them turns around and comes back. And here's where the story really gets good. Here's where you and I come in. And he falls down and he begins to praise the Lord. I don't know what there is about praise that's difficult for some people to do. But it's so difficult for some to do. There's four things here I want you to notice about praise I want, I want, that happened here that are miraculous, that are incredible. I want, you to, I want you to agree with me on these four things, if you possibly can. And then tonight, to close this service, we're going to praise God. Because I tell you right now, i got a lot to thank God for. I'm behind in my praise. I got to thinking tonight, I'm way behind on my praise, and I, I intend to get caught up tonight in this service. Praise God. Are you behind in your praise? How many want to get caught up tonight? Come on, let's, let's say, I want to get caught up tonight. The first thing we got we to gotta wake here, here are four guys, and they did, it seemed like, everything right, except they left out the most important thing. When Jesus said, I thought I healed ten of you, but only one of you comes back, where are the nine? What happened to these guys? What did they miss out on? Let me ask you a question. 
here, here, here's four things that, that I take from this. These guys, first of all, believed. They believed. They would not have come to Jesus had not they believed that they could be healed. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. These guys believed that he could heal them. He believed, they believed that he could put them back with their families. They believed so much they were willing to approach him and say, and they cried out to him in faith and they believed. So what does that tell you? There are more people that believe than praise. We believe when we're desperate. We believe when our backs are against the wall. These guys had no other place to turn and they were dying in their bodies and some were saying adjust to the fact you're never going to get back to your families and as a last ditch effort of desperation they mustered up enough faith to come to Jesus and to believe. They had enough faith to believe that he could reverse the course of that disease in their life. But they didn't have enough courage to come back and thank him after he changed their life. So everybody's talking about faith and believing. And you got to have faith. And I'm not minimizing faith. But there are a lot more people that believe than praise. That's a bottom line. I don't need, I don't need any statistical, uh, you know, statistics to back me. I know there's a lot of people that use faith at their convenience and they never once thank God after they get what they believe for. And there are literally millions that believe, but there are not millions that praise. So they believe, but they didn't praise. There are more people that receive than praise. Because they received what they believed for. And as they went, their bodies were made completely whole and well. And yet 90% of them didn't come back and thank God for the greatest miracle they'd ever seen in their life. Our churches talk about faith. Our churches talk about receiving. But we don't talk enough about praise. We, we get people all worked up to believe, to believe. You're going to receive, and we love to see them receive. And then we stop right there and forget to come back and say, Hey, God, before we ask you for anything else, we got to get caught up with thanking you for what you've already done. So more people believe than praise. More people receive than praise. Benefits. Won't you agree with me? We receive so many benefits that we never say thank you for. We never say thank you for. Some things, some great things happen. God performed some great miracles. I made my mind up about six months ago. Every day that I live, before I go to bed, I'm going to thank you for it. I don't care how long the list gets. And I'm telling you, Pastor, the list is getting longer and longer and longer and longer. He's, he, he's. He has saved my son's life numerous times. He has saved both of my grandsons from horrendous injuries through miraculous things. He has touched my little nephew and brought him back from the dead, and he is 100% healthy. Hallelujah. That little baby that I told you about last time, he's one. He, the, the, the neurologist told him just last week he's going to make 100% recovery, and he flatlined for an hour and 45 minutes. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
One of my best friends, a little 12-year-old boy, had cancer. God healed him of cancer. I thank God for Jackson Rainbow every day. I don't care how bad my day is. I'm going to thank God for my son, for my grandsons. I'm going to thank God for Walker, my nephew. I'm going to thank God for Jackson Rainbow, one of my best friend's sons. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to thank God. There's two or three good friends that I've got in the last two months that have been healed of inoperable cancer. And I've lost a lot of friends and a lot of loved ones to cancer. But I'm not, I am going to, I've made my mind up. I am not going to keep asking God for things until I thank Him for the miracles that I've seen Him provide in my life. So every night before I go to bed, I take that list out and say, Hey Lord, I want to praise you for these miracles. Hallelujah. Oh, it was fun believing and it was great receiving, but I got to thank you for it. Where are the nine? Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. How long is your list? Or is it just from one thing to the next? We just forget. When Jesus, in, even in the Old Testament, he memorialized miracles with stone Stone, they'd, they'd gather stones and build a big altar or some big stone gathering so that in generations to come when you'd be walking with your children or grandchildren, the kids would say, what does this mean? And you could recount the story. This is where he parted the waters. This is where he provided manna. This is where miracles took place. If you think it doesn't matter to God that we don't stop and give him praise for everything he does, then you don't know much about God. God does not exist on this earth just to do good things for you and then us not say thank you for it. So we got great faith preachers, believers. Great, you're going to receive and you are going to receive. So more people believe than praise. More people receive than praise. More people obey ritualism than praise. He said, go show yourself to the priest. In other words, obey ritual. Ritual says you got to do this. You got to walk this way. You got to go and you got to, you got to obey these guidelines. You got to go to the priest and show yourself. He's got to cleanse you, then pronounce you to the synod, to all the congregation as a whole and well person. Nothing wrong with ritual. Nothing wrong with, with being in a routine, obeying religion. But I'm going to tell you something. Every now and then you got to quit being so mechanical and you got to realize it's more important that you praise him then you obey ritualism. What those guys didn't realize was, even though he said, go show yourself to the priest, it's more important for the Lord for you to turn around and go back before you obey ritualism and fall down at his feet and say, Lord, you gave us back our life. So before we go and obey ritualism, we're going to praise you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We don't need... We don't need people that are just blinded by religious, religious ritualism. And if you think Pentecostalism don't have ritualism, then you haven't been in Pentecost very long. We've got our trails of ritualism just like everybody else. And we think it doesn't matter what we do or what we say as long as we obey these little, these little, these little pig trails that we've carved out for our own life. As they used to say about the Baptist and Assembly of God, we've got our own little pig trails too we've carved out. And as long as we walk in those dictates, it doesn't matter how we treat people. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we praise. Because I bless God, I'm doing what the Bible says do. But every now and then, you've got to throw it away and say, Hey, before I obey another ritual, hallelujah, I'm going to fall on my face before God and thank you for the miracles you provided in my life. Somebody praise the Lord tonight. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. They believed, they received, they obeyed, and then they, they prayed. They prayed. They prayed, but they didn't praise. Prayer is for time, but praise is for eternity. You're not going to pray in heaven. Well, we need to pray more than we do. We, we need to, the Bible says pray without ceasing, so you can't pray too much. But what some people call praying, I don't call praying. Prayer to some people is an obsession for their own attention. They, they, like to, they like the attention that claiming to be a prayer warrior brings them. And you know, there's not, I'm not trying to demean or belittle prayer. Prayer is a powerful, wonderful thing. But these guys prayed. They prayed, oh, have mercy on us. They prayed to him. Got to do that. That's a wonderful thing. But remember this. If you want to do something that's going to last, that's going to, that you're going to pray here, we're going, we're going, prayer will end when time ends for you. You'll never pray in heaven. But I promise you one thing, you'll gather around the throne and you'll praise God for eternity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't quit praying. Don't ever quit praying. Don't ever stop that routine of prayer in your life there's no, you can't replace it but let me tell you something prayer is not a substitute for praise because these men more people pray than praise you know why because prayer a big percentage of prayer to us is petitioning we're asking god for things we spend very little time in prayer other than just really asking god for something I mean, we're all that way. Come on, admit it. We're all that way. We've got, we've got these motives. We want God to bless us. We want God to do this for us, for our families. And so we know we pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. But every now and then, just pull away and say, you know what I do? I'm going to spend some time praising you. I'm going to spend some time thanking you. I'm going to spend some time glorifying you. So let me tell you something. It's not enough to believe. It's not enough to receive. It's not enough to obey. And it's not enough just to pray. You got to praise. You got to praise. Nine men were healed, but only one was made whole. Jesus said after this guy came back and he was a stranger, he came back and he prayed and he praised. And he said this, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee well or whole. I'm going to tell you something right now. That means there was a completeness that this guy had that the other nine missed out on. Because he did all the things he should have done. And then he, he didn't leave out the most important. He came back to say, thank you, Lord. I want to praise you. I want to glorify you. I want to lift up your name. Hallelujah. Where are you tonight? Don't quit believing. Don't quit receiving. Don't quit obeying. And don't quit praying. But start praising like you've never praised him before. This church is in a revival. This church is going to continue in revival. And tonight, I want to tell you something. I believe we're going to have a praise service that's going to ignite this place tonight. God is going to fill everybody here with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that needs it. Oh, hallelujah. And it's going to start off by somebody in the building saying, I've got to get to that altar as quick as I can, and I'm not going to ask God for one thing. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to go there and I'm going to purely praise him and thank him. I'm going to go back to that place and I'm going to, like, I'm going to, if I have to go back to the last place where he blessed me, I'm going to retrace my steps and go back and I'm going to fall at his feet and I'm going to let him know that I thank you. I praise you. I glorify you. I will never forget you for what you've done. I will call on your name every day of my life. I will praise you. I will make a list and every night before I go to bed, I will go down this list and say, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And I will praise you all the days of my life. And when you start doing that, God's going to bring something forth to the church. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. Who wants to praise the Lord tonight? Who wants to praise the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you stand with me right now? Hallelujah. Let's glorify the Lord. Come on. Let's praise the Lord tonight.